Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 26, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. How's it going? Turkey day? Uh, you know, I always start off this day by rewatching clips of planes, trains, and automobiles, and uh, that's my favorite one: is the rental car uh, scene where uh, the Ferris Bueller secretary gobble gobble. Ne- never saw it. Spoiler alert, please. Oh my! You've never seen planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> I've seen excerpts of it. You know, like you have, like you're talking about what you do, like oh. what you do every Thanksgiving is what I do. Uh, you know, I, what I've seen over my lifetime. I've never actually watched the movie. Um, I, I, I don't well, comprehend this information. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I saw your little Facebook post about it today, and I thought, yep, I, I can't can't relate. Don't know what he's talking about. Right, promise me you're gonna do this because you come to all this stuff way late, like making a murder. Like yeah, you know, yeah. That guy's probably been framed for seven other murders by the time the rest of us have watched it. <laughs> we got to do it. You make some time today, an hour and a half. I promise you, you're gonna love it. All right. Well, it. I'll figure out. You know, I just finished watching The Staircase, which is very similar to The Making a Murderer and uh, another brutal, corrupt system that uh, screwed people. But, um, yeah, I uh, all right, I'll, I'll try to give it a shot. But only if you promise, to watch, you promise to watch Star Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the Baby Yoda one, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, The Baby Yoda, The Mandalorian. Watch that one. Because I can always subscribe to 18 different streaming services now. I know. That'll uh, get rid of cable thing was a great idea, folks. Yeah, exactly. Be twenty times more for TV now, and have no idea what channel anything's on. Exactly, and you never end up watching TV. You end up just like looking on your phone because you don't. You're too lazy to turn on and try to scroll through the menu to find something to watch. I actually watch less TV now because I get so frustrated googling. Where can I watch Mando? Whatever. Mando. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I'm not I'm watching like it. I'm like, forget it. I'm just gonna like, you know, read the newspaper. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's do poker now. All right, this year's World Series of Poker has come to an end, and here are our final updates. Benny Glazier won Event 78, the 10K Raz Championship for his fourth career bracelet. Previously in the series, he had a second, third, and ninth place finishes. Phil Helmuth made a sixth final table of the series, and I can't believe you didn't notice I did a double. I, I did. I did. You did it everywhere, and I just said, <laughs> screw it. Either he's doing it to piss me off, or he's really stupid. So either way, you know, I don't know. I but you're just a really itchy L button on my laptop is what it is. Constantly putting extra L's where they don't belong. <laughs> it's like Easter egg hunt for you. <laughs> Anyhow, Phil Helmuth, one L. Uh, actually, three One L and Phil, two and Helmuth. <laughs> Oh, you made a six final table of the series. 
Uh, Adrian Mateos won event 82, the 250K high roller for his fourth career bracelet in the highest buy-in event of the series. Leo Margetz won event 83, the $1,500 closer to become the only woman to win an open event this series. Jeremy Osmus won event 84, the 50K PLO high roller, defeating Phil Hellmuth, 1L on NFL. Heads up. Helmuth set the record for the most final tables in a series with seven. Daniel Negrano finished third. Josh Aria was seventh. Negrano would go on to finish third in the very next event, while Aria added a tenth place finish two events later. And Josh Aria is this year's player of the year at 11 caches, two bracelets, and two other final tables with 4,194.59 points. Helmuth finished second with 3,720.01 points and 10 caches, one bracelet, and six other final tables. While Daniel Grano, who hasn't won a bracelet since 2013, boy, I would have lost that bet, yeah. uh, uh, rallied to finish third with 3,531.03 points with 18 caches and three final tables. The World Series of Poker has started a new series of NFT auctions, which we don't care about at all. Nope. Uh, but if, if you do, it features famous clips from the series over the years. And finally, well-known Las Vegas tax expert Russ Fox has published his estimates of the tax burdens for this year's main event final table. New world champion Corey Aldermere, a German who lives in Austria, very smartly for tax purposes. And two British final table participants won't owe a single penny in taxes based on U.S. tax treaties with those two nations. And the fact that neither of those com- uh, countries, not companies, countries, tax gambling winnings. The other players who hail from the United States, Turkey, and Argentina We'll see a good chunk of their winnings going to various governments. With High Park, who lives in New Jersey, likely to pay the highest percentage of his winnings. Okay, where to start? Um, the only NFT I'd be interested in is, he called me with Jack High! <laughs> Jack High! I think that's yeah, the one I would buy. a little bidding war for that one. Yeah, that's the one I might buy. Um, uh, and maybe the Chris Moneymaker not knowing it's his turn to act and the whole world's looking at him and they all thought that he had a serious decision to make and he's yeah, getting ready to fold. Those two I might consider, you know, putting some cheddar down on. But other than that, yeah, I have no interest in NFTs right now. Um, <laughs> I tell you, Arie, what, what a remarkable year. I mean, he comes out of nowhere again. Yeah. Obviously, he's been a player the whole time and all that. But, I mean, just to have this massive year. And every time Helmy's tried to one-up him to get it back or whatever... Ari be right there with him, finishing right near him or whatever. It was a pretty remarkable year for him. Congratulations. Really phenomenal. Yeah, he, he was definitely a, a fly in Elmi's uh, soup this whole series, right? Yeah. I mean, thought he was going to catch up, and then, and then you like you follow that. Over there. Hey, Elmi's at another final table. Oh, guess what? Josh Ari just missed the final table, so that's <laughs> not going to really help too much. Uh, so yeah, no. Um, uh, somebody called him an unlikely player of the year. I don't know if that that seems like a stretch to me. Um, obviously, I think some of these other names people probably would have thought a bit more, but I don't. I don't necessarily think he's an unlikely. But yeah, you know, yeah. one of these great pros gets a gets on a great streak, and, and this year we had three of them. I mean, three of the most fantastic players we'll ever see finish one, two, and three, and they all had great series. So yeah, solidifying yeah. our uh, you know player of the year you know, professional player going to do well in this World Series stuff. I mean, they really did just rise to the occasion. Um, the other stuff I want to talk about, uh, Leo Margetz, that's fantastic. You know, a woman winning, it's always always great when that can happen because then it just opens up the, uh, you know, the the field to more women saying, hey, I think I can do this too and getting them out there to play. And uh, that's a great thing. Um, some of these other names I didn't really recognize, but they had multiple bracelets. Again, this week... Everybody who won a bracelet seemed to have won their fourth bracelet. <laughs> right? It's crazy. 
Oh, and uh, I haven't heard Helmu squawking about the player of the year uh, here at the end. I'm sure he probably was somewhere, but um, uh, it's interesting because he talked about when he had his first meltdown over here and it should reward final tables um, over anything else. So, I mean, you kind of look at it now, we kind of know some of the stats, right? So, Arya made four final tables. He made seven. Yeah. Uh, but Arya had two bracelets. He only had one. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, 11 caches and uh, uh, ten. Ten. had 10. Yeah. So, like, you know, I think we're between those two, I think we're really splitting hairs now. Um, would have been interesting if Negrano uh, would have cashed a couple more times. 18 caches had more than almost as much as those two guys combined. Had he had a couple more caches and actually been the player of the year and not bucking for a uh, appointment to the college football playoff uh, selection committee here by saying it, but uh, I would have a hard time stomaching a player of the year that didn't win a bracelet. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's I true. mean, uh, still, 18 caches is pretty phenomenal. But no, I mean, that's no, remarkable, yep. remarkable. Um, I think you meant Negrani. You said Helmuth, but I think you meant Negrani when you said that. So, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yes, yeah. And I, 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 this is what I want to bring up. So, you had said when you read off Negranu not winning a bracelet since 2013, and you said you would have lost money on that bet. I would be interested in knowing how much Negranu has lost in side bets since 2013, where oh, he yeah. said, I'm going to win a bracelet this year. Because he's yes. done it. I know he's done it. We even mentioned it on the show before. So Yeah, yeah, good point. No yeah. one no one would have thought eight years of him not winning a bracelet, especially with the amount of fields that there are, amount of events now that there are, even around the world and stuff. So it is remarkable, but I'd really like to know how much uh, coin he's lost to that bet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, but another uh, World Series in the books. Does that mean the show comes to an end now, too, because nothing else to talk about? <laughs> no, there's going to be all kinds of stuff to talk about next week. It's just uh, there hasn't been anything else to talk about over the last uh, six weeks, though. So. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I didn't realize these, um, these tax uh, treaties and things like that, but um, yeah, I guess I loosely remembered an article not too long ago about Germans moving out of the country to avoid paying taxes on it. But I didn't realize how stark that was. I mean, as a pro poker player, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, if your gambling uh, winnings aren't taxed, I mean, why would you not want to, like, move to Great Britain or Austria or any other country that doesn't tax it? Because that's, that's massive. Look at this. I mean, I didn't put the actual numbers here, but you're talking $8 million on top. And uh, Corey's going to keep all of that. Uh, otherwise, it would have been as much as maybe $4 million going to someone else, right? So, crazy. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you knew, if you were a poker player, someone who's really, you know, got a ton of money already, I mean, how hard is it to go buy a little home in Austria and don't even live in it, just do what you got to do to bare minimum to get your citizenship there? And then, then travel the world playing poker, and everything you do, you get to keep your money. I mean, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's almost, like, offensive that you wouldn't do that if you're a pro poker player. That's pretty sad to say. But, you know, I mean, I, I can't imagine fading that. I'm like, you have to, like, really love your country to want to give them that much money in taxes when you can go literally across the border yeah. from uh, Germany and Austria and, and establish residency. And, again, I don't know what that's involved, but, obviously, people have done it, so... Not terribly difficult, it doesn't sound like. So, I don't know. Um, I guess the, the last thing I'll say about the World Series is it's over now. I mean, we did talk about this like halfway through, but you know, a lot of this uh, sort of Damocles stuff that people were expecting this year ended up not happening, right? So, yeah. 
there didn't seem to be any like real outcry over COVID. There was like one brief skirmish that we even talk about on the show, but I couldn't really understand where someone players were complaining about somebody lying about their COVID status. But other than that, I didn't hear any any uh, big problems. And you know, and then the people that whined the most, Mike Manistow, he cashed in one of the last events, so either he decided to get his shots after all, or you know, shops in the same black market as Antonio Brown, <laughs> um, but. Uh, it, it, it ended up being, you know, we, we thought at the beginning the poker news predictions uh, that COVID was going to be the big story this year. I don't think COVID was a big story this year, after all. No, I agree. Oh, I, I think agree. it was the, the play of the of the pros and and uh, just that there were no issues. That's probably if you want to say that's what it was. It's like the Friends episode when uh, Monica said when uh, Monica learns that she gives the best worst massages. Yes, you know, <laughs> COVID was the story, but only because there was no story. You know, yeah, it really yeah. wasn't. Um, you know, I, I didn't see the final totals, but uh, you know, midpoint they were down twenty percent. I'm going to guess that number uh, came down a little bit um, yeah. with the yeah. with the change in travel at the end. So, um, which is really kind of in line where we thought it would be. And you know, I mean, anything that drops off ten percent or even five percent is usually noteworthy. But I don't think this year that's noteworthy. Um, you know. With the the travel restrictions and the the vaccination requirements, I mean, that's I think that's a pretty good day at the office that you're only down twenty percent. So, yeah. And as we mentioned too, they they had trouble staffing it anyhow. So I don't think anybody's really upset at uh, Caesars that they were down twenty percent this year. Sounds like it worked out as a as a pretty good series. So another interesting storyline that will come up now, I think, is the fact that they're moving it over to the Strip, but they're doing it in such a quick turnaround because the World Series is going on right now in November, whereas now they've got to turn it around by summer, whereas usually they have a whole year to do it, and they're changing venues. So uh, it will be interesting to see how they handle that, and will they get the staffing, you know, issue or whatever you want to call it, corrected? And I mean, you know, COVID's still going to be an issue next summer. It's not going to go away by yeah. summer. So yeah, as much as we like it to, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's so. not going anywhere. So it's, I mean, it's already endemic. I think we're going to see it for the rest of our lives. To be honest with you, but uh, anyway. Um, a great series. Thanks for providing all the uh, news content for us, and uh, hopefully something will happen to keep the show alive for another week. And or so. also interesting about that too. I mean, we uh, taking the reopenings off our show. I think it's kind of run its course because we're almost at three hundred yeah. rooms yeah. reopen now. There's only a handful of big ones that aren't there uh, aren't going to reopen. But uh, I did read an article this morning that the Flamingo staff had been told that the poker room there will not reopen um, after the series. It, you know, closed down so they could move the dealers over there, but. It's not going to reopen. So it was an interesting article about what, what the commitment to Caesars is to poker now because, you know, they close so many of their, their poker rooms but still host the, the biggest brand in the uh, poker world. So Is that hypocritical? Uh, I don't know if it's hypocritical. I mean, you... you, you, you it's surprising, you, maybe. I don't know if it's hypocritical, though. Well, I mean, but, you host the biggest thing you in the world for poker, but yet you don't carry it in your own, most of your rooms. It doesn't make... It's weird. It's a weird thing. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, I hypocritical yeah. is not the right word, but there's a word there that I'm trying to think of that it just doesn't seem right. It seems. Yeah, odd. I mean, that could fill a whole other show because you could talk about, I mean, again, we, we've talked about this in the past, the, the quantity versus quality of, of poker rooms. So anybody talks about how, you know, there used to be 55 poker rooms in Vegas and now there are 35. Yeah. Is that a bad thing um, if the number of tables is still the same, right? So, I mean, if you've, you know, consolidated five five-table poker rooms into one 25-table poker room, you know, other than the convenience of 
going to whatever one of those five rooms is closer to you, that 25 table poker room is probably going to be better for you as a player, right? So, um, so I mean, the fact that they don't, they, I mean, they haven't closed successful poker rooms, right? I mean, the Flamingo and and uh, O'Shea's and some of these other ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they served their purpose, and I'm not the ditching on them, um, but, uh, but, but they weren't, like, iconic rooms. It's not like, you know, uh, the Mirage and some of those rooms that used to be big in the heyday, right? So, I mean, they, they were niche rooms, so and right. the niches come up, and it is what it is. So, well, yep, we'll see what happens uh, come May when they uh, do it again, so. Okay. Any updates? Page the Annie Up Fans Free Online Tournament Series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details on how you can join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. You can buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, or Annie Up PokerTour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post in the Antiup Fans group on Facebook. Uh, it's a Thanksgiving special. We're going to complete O'Malley's move today. So let's just do part one to refresh our memories, and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2, $5 No Limit Omaha home game. I prefer the No Limit aspect because the bets tend to be more like No Limit Hold'em than Pot Limit Omaha. Basically, there isn't a perceived mandatory pot size bet every round. The buy-in is 500 and the game is 8-handed. The blinds post and we're under the gun with pretty close to our starting stack. We look down at the Ace of Spades, Ace of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds, Ten of Clubs. Nothing much to say here. Let's raise it up. We make it $15 to go. The plus one folds. The MP calls. The cutoff calls. This player is fairly new to Omaha, but is a very strong No Limit Hold'em player. He's catching on pretty quickly. He bought in for 500 and currently has close to 700 The button calls. The small blind folds. And the big blind calls. There's already $75 in the pot, and the flop is the Ten of Spades... Eight of diamonds, four of diamonds. This is a pretty good flop for our hand. We have an overpair as well as a flush draw and a backdoor straight draw. When the big blind checks, we make a $50 bet into the pot. The MP folds, the cutoff calls, but the rest of the table folds. There's now 175 in the pot and the turn is the queen of spades. That gives us even more outs. We make a $100 bet. The cutoff pauses, checks his cards, and seems to genuinely think for a time before calling. There's now 375 in the pot, and the river is the jack of spades. We missed. We do have the ace of spades blocker, and have improved to two pair, but we have less than a pot-sized bet in our stack. What's the move? All right, the only logical bet for us to make is all-in, but I'm having trouble finding a justification for doing that, assuming we are okay with calling anything our opponent bets. 
He checks behind. We see the river for free with a hand that has some showdown value. If he bets anything up to what's in our stack, it's the same or a smaller bet than we would make on our own. Uh, we don't have enough in our stack to push him off his hand, so the big reason for an open shove doesn't exist. So uh, I'm going to check call, I think. You know, I don't really see how we're ahead here, but we do have the ace of spades. Um, you know, a thinking player might fold to a shove because, you know, we held the nut flush ace. Um, I actually hate the turn bet, uh, to be honest with you. If we got to the river with no bet on the turn, we'd have enough here to make him fold on a river easily, I think. Yeah, um, so I, I guess I am check calling, um, but, you know, I don't know. A shove might do it, too. It just depends on on what this person really is holding. But I feel like we're behind and we don't have a shot. So, all right, here we go. Let's see what happens. Hello again. I give up. We end up checking after a slight pause for some thought. Our opponent immediately checks behind us. Two pair, we say. Set, he responds, and turns over the five of spades, five of clubs, four of hearts, four of clubs. We muck and he rakes in the pot. We ask him later if he would have folded to a shove on the river. His response? Yes, absolutely. Probably. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying Omaha can be frustrating enough. Make sure you give yourself easy decisions. However, sometimes it's not as easy as it appears. I hope to see you on the felt. Well, I'm kind of surprised to hear the opponent saying so quickly that he would have folded to an all-in, uh, you know, before he eventually hedged that. That statement, um, you know, had I thought he, that we had a prayer of that working, I would have done it in a heartbeat. But it just didn't seem like we'd had enough money to make it work. Yeah, you know, sets yeah, you know, rarely win in Omaha, you know. And that ace of spades might have been enough to, to make the bluff work. I, the thing about that, too, is, you know, you, you have a pair in your hand. You're all excited about it. You flop a set, and then you lose. You know, and that, that happens all the time to you. You, yeah, you always yeah. light up because you're so used to the hold'em way of thinking. But, you know, that guy might have folded if we had shoved. But, you know, you, you just can't you can't think of that. You know, you, you knew you were behind and, I don't know, it just wasn't enough. But the ace of spades, that's that, that bluffing card right there. Yeah, and that, and that's a bluffing move for players who have been around the block a couple times in Obama, right? Um, and that's the difficult here. Our opponent is uh, described as, what, a solid holding player but new to Omaha. So... The problem with new players in Omaha, you got to figure out, do they overvalue their hands or are they more scared than they should be? Um, and that's two different kinds of players, right? So, you know, if, if we thought this player was more skittish than they should have been, that shove would have worked every day, I think. But but then you have the, the flip side. You have these players that, that haven't learned that a set is not great, right? So you, you if you shove on that player, they're going to beat you into the pot, right? So. Yeah. It's really difficult. I mean, that's an important thing to remember when you have that that flush blocker that you can really do a lot of bluffing with it. But I think it only works against a really smart player, so or real experience at least. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's tough. It's a hard, it's a it's a difficult game to play. I mean, it, it really is. You think because you have more cards, it's going to be more fun and easier, but it actually becomes more frustrating. And it's a very you really got to know what you're doing in this game. You know, I I. I like playing Omaha because I've gotten, you know, we, we've gotten in our home game or whatever it was, we got pretty decent at it. But, you know, I really, I really would just rather prefer playing Lemon Hold'em, believe it or not, I'm saying that, or Hold'em <laughs> than Omaha, especially PLO, because you can lose, or and this was no limit. So you can lose a lot pretty quickly making the second best hand or, you know, Hold'em hands that you think are good enough and they really aren't. So 
Yeah, know. what reminded me there was no limit because let's just uh, let's just tell people to quit playing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stop playing NLO. <laughs> I, I know why why O'Malley likes it that way, but it is it's a bastardized game. And again, if you go back and read, um, you know Howard Letter, if you still want to read him, like he made the point that in no limit. I mean, there's a reason there's pot limit in O'Malley because in no limit you would you should shove with aces all the time, and that's what O'Malley had here. So. Uh, I guess if you really want to analyze his hand, you know, in, in proper poker theory, you should have shelved from the beginning. Um, but that doesn't make the game fun to play. So that's why they put the pot limit on rather than no limit. So it, it's a subtle difference, but, you know, once you get understand it, it makes makes more sense. Exactly. Well, you know, hey, everybody hey, gets to play their own game. So <laughs> That's right. All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hand situations to podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you ever want something from us in the past year, you get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. It's been a long time, Chris, since we've had a situation. Yeah. We do this week, courtesy of Rich Bodner. And uh, so uh, it's a 1-3 no-limit game at Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh, eight-handed. Uh, he says, I've been playing for about two hours and sit with about 900 skittles. I have a reputation as a strong player. At one point, the player next to me, in a normal voice, asked if I had lost a hand tonight. I was playing well. I did not feel like playing tight. Just very uh, smart. And uh, since this is a situation, we'll just read the whole thing and then talk about it. Okay. Says, I'm on the gun with the uh, pocket queen of hearts, queen of diamonds. I raised to $15. Players uh, four and five fold, but player six raises to 55 Player seven folds. The button thinks for a second or two and calls. I call three players in the hand. Flop is five, seven, eight, rainbow. I check. Player six goes all in for $175. The button instantly calls for less. About squiggly 160. I think really hard about the situation and take about two to three minutes to fold. The button would not have insta-called. I would have insta-called. So he has more to say about this, but let's uh, take a break here and say talk about what we would have done here. Um, okay, so I, I you read it so fast. I'm trying to – let me – so one guy goes all in for 160. The yeah, guy who so insta calls, how much does he have? Uh, he calls for less, uh, 160. Okay, so we have them both covered with a call of 160. Yes. Oh, well, I, a and call that's of it. Or whatever. But I mean, there's 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 no more betting after this if we call the 170, or whatever. Just the three of us. Yep. Oh yeah, I call. I'm calling. Somebody, somebody has you know somebody's bluffing, somebody's drawing. Or somebody thinks their pair is good enough that's over the eights, but I, I can't fall with queens here. You know, I mean, I just, I just, for the amount of money that's out there, for the amount of money I'm up in a one three game, the max you're probably buying in for is 300. We're up three buy ins, and I'm gonna, it's only gonna cost you 150 to try to win 600 with an over pair to a rainbow board. Yeah, okay, so if somebody has pocket sixes, they're on a draw. If somebody has a set of eights, then we're two outer, but really, I, I, I'm not gonna, Fold to because if somebody had a bigger pair than ours, they would have re re raised pre flop, yeah. I think. So, I, I, I think I'm calling all day and twice on Sunday, yeah. I mean, because you gotta think, I mean, there's no flush draw here, so um, it's it doesn't make any sense that somebody flopped a straight with this board. Uh, someone could be on a straight draw, and that's fine. Um, so really, the only hand I'm really worried about here is one of those sets, and probably likely only a set of eights. So um, now you're drawing against two people, but, uh, yeah, you know, with my stack, I think this is a tough laid out as well. Too. Yeah. I can't lay it down. All right. Here's what our hero said. He says player six, uh, uh, has been at the table the entire time. I have been, uh, player six was the first one going all in, by the way. Uh, he was there before I sat down. 
he plays well and usually only plays premium hands. He, uh, he's been up and down uh, the time I've been there. His main problem is overplaying high cards. Thus, I put him on uh, tens, jacks, ace, king, or ace, queen. The button has only been at the table for about 30 to 40 minutes. About four hands prior, uh, we took him for a squiggly 150 when we made a flush over two pair. This person has not played many hands since sitting down. He's played a solid game that I could tell. Here's where I had the problem. I cannot figure out what this guy is playing. There was very little hesitation with a pre-flop uh, uh, $55 call and an instant call for 175 I figured on the instant call he has a high pair. I think what is the chance he has jacks or queens when I have queens? And I think player six may have jacks. Thus, I'm thinking he has kings or aces. The turn is a deuce, and the, and the river is a queen, giving us a set had we not folded. Uh, player six shows ace-king suited, and the button shows pocket tens. I, I've forgotten about the re-raise. I, for some reason, I was thinking it was a call of 15. My handwriting, it's so freaking cold here in Florida now. <laughs> that the, the first five I wrote looked like a one, so I thought somebody called 15. I wasn't thinking it was a raise of 15 to 55. So somebody could have had a bigger pair than us. That's the hesitation. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I still think I call, though. I still think I call, even if I realized it was a re-raise, because it could have been, like you said, jacks, queens, or tens. Um, uh, it's a shame that we... Would have won, but you know, a lot of times it could have been kings or aces. There could have been a set of eights. You know, somebody could have easily called with a pocket eight set mining, and then got it and saw that it was not wet, but it was five seven eight. Somebody could have pocket sixes for a draw or nines for a gutter or something. So, um, but yeah, it, it sucks that you would have won. You didn't even need the queen in the end. You still would have won. Um, the yeah. ace king, the ace king shove is interesting. It's just like okay, I'm gonna make you think I have an overpair. But, well, I mean, it's about a pot size bet at that point. So, I mean, I don't know what the proper bet would have been there for him. Um, I mean, he's in a tough spot there, I think. Oh, um, you're ace king. You just check. You missed it. You know. Yeah, but 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 he was the he was the raiser. I mean, you got to represent a bigger hand there. I mean, if we go back when we talked about the fact that we both forgot that that raise was there. I mean, that does give credence to aces or kings at that point, right? So, I don't think you slow down there. I mean, that, that flop should not have hit anybody in his hands. So. It's different when you're reacting to that that all-in shove rather than making the shove, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, we were reacting to it, and then we had to, you know, think through the scenarios of both of these players. But when you're the first one to make that that shove, and it's not an over shove really, I mean, it's slightly, but I mean, it's the only realistic bet you have. I mean, you're not going to make uh, leave twenty dollars in bus fare behind, right? So um, it just kind of sucks at that point because. I mean, you probably shouldn't have raised pre-flop. I mean, that's one of those that I think you lost track of his own stack. Because, you know, I mean, if if he doesn't make that raise, that's forty dollars he saves there, so he still has two fifteen now. Um, and then you're not on the hook to make that that C bet. You gotta you gotta let us make that C bet, right? And react to it. Um, but it's weird because it's. And I think a lot of people would make this mistake. I'm certain I would make this mistake too. But once you make that fifty five dollar raise, you get those two calls. Now you're looking at a flopper. You you got to commit now. So. Yeah, I mean, if you, you, I mean, we're not saying we're ABC players. We're probably not even AB players. But if you read the books, a lot of them will say that Ace King is a hand that's worth re-raising with. Um, and then oh, I know it's just losing track of your stack. Oh you know, yeah, I agree. But I mean, you still need to make that raise. You know, just because your stack isn't the right. You know, I mean, they're not going to shove with two ten. So you still should play optimally is to raise with it, and then you know if he if he makes that play with Ace Ace. He's got six hundred dollars in front of him because everybody called him and was wrong. Sure. 
So I, I like you said, I, I, to me, I just would have, I just would have checked, you know, because under the gun check to us, right? Because we, we were under well, the yeah, gun. Yeah, but, but here's the thing: if you're Ace King in this spot, and uh, this is a guy that's been at the table with us the entire time we've been there, we obviously are playing pretty well. I mean, our, our interpretation of ourselves is that our reputation is a strong player, right? Yeah, and yeah, apparently, yeah. sitting with 900 in front of us, it's hard to really doubt that too many people are going to think we're lucky. Um, so if, if that player who has just been solid the entire time raises under the gun, I don't know. I think you got to give some credit there to it not being them getting out of line with four or five suited or something. So, well, my ace king, I'm not going to be completely scared about, uh, I'm not going to put it solidly on aces or kings, but um, got to give credence to that. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I might have, I might have taken a flyer for the fifteen dollars and and seen what the flop flop came up with there rather than raise. But I don't know. I don't. I, see I, that right? I don't disagree with you uh, about the flyer and all that. What I will say is, if you know uh, Richie has this reputation of being a really strong player, and he raises under the gun, and then now. We, knowing that, and everyone else at the table knowing that Richie's that good, we pop him. We're telling the world we have aces or kings. Or at least we have a really strong hand that could raise a very strong player under the gun making a raise. We're saying we probably have aces or kings, which is probably why Richie folded. Because if Richie has this feeling, I can call him Richie, but I don't know, it could be Rich. Um, (laughs) But if if Rich made this raise... All his friends are going to call him Richie now. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry I did that to you, but... uh, uh, Cunningham. So I'm thinking, you know, hey, this guy is really good. He's got the table covered. He's crushing it. He hasn't lost a hand all night, as that guy once said. So now I'm raising him, and Rich's got to be thinking, hey, I'm the strong player. I'm up. This guy's re-raising me pre-flop. He's got to have my – he might have my queens beat. And then – so I'm going to check to him after this flop – He's going to shove, and then I got another guy calling, and they all know that I'm a really good player, and I'm in this hand, and I called the raise. Oh, how are they calling and shoving and all this stuff around me? I'm Mr. $900 here. So yeah, yep. I don't yep. disagree with that lay down. You know, yeah. I mean, earlier on in the discussion, well, I was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it was a tough spot for everybody in, in this particular hand. Um, uh, the button, too, I'm like, I don't know, should have probably thought a little bit more about that as well too but it's tough when you and you got that pocket pair and you've got that rainbow board that doesn't seem like it should to anyone it's really tough to think that your pair is not good yeah you know? that 10 10 is lucky you know he got the the queens to fold by a mere call i think if the 10 10 goes out of the way and your head's up with this guy maybe but even so that's the guy that made the re-raise of you with your yeah i don't think it really changes much right yeah, i don't I mean, think I don't, it does either I know Rich said that was the big thing that gave him the pause, but, you know, the way we've talked about this, I'm like, we're not really worried about the button at all. The button's like extra money. I mean, I'd like the button to be in there if they uh, show up for more, because then, then I would at least have a side pot that I could have fallen back on. But, yeah, yeah. But really, I mean, I mean, the player I'm scared about is, is player six here, and so it doesn't matter. There's another player in that, so I might have still folded there. So, yeah. Um, and really, yeah, at that point, I mean, if you didn't have that extra 160 in there, I'm like, that, that's kind of the reason we were going to call, right? So yeah. Double the money in the pot. But if it's 175 against a player that we feel has been pretty good and raised us, you know, when we raised under the gun, that's uh, a little tougher, I think. I think it was easier to make a call here because of the button. So, 
Yeah, because the pot odds, you know, at least there's more money in the middle to try to win rather than just doing it for 50-50. Uh, a tough spot. I, I don't really fault you for folding, though. In the beginning, I was like, I'm going to call easily because it's only going to bring me down to like 750 if I'm wrong, you know, or seven. 700 you know and i'm still up a bunch yeah, but and that's what we talk about a lot once you build up i mean you don't want to get loose and splash around but uh when you have those those bullets at that point i mean that's when you start making those shots that you can't afford to make other places so exactly that's when you multiply the, the, the winnings so i mean it's a bad day if you make that call two or three times and lose each time now you're back down to 300 that sucks but um, chances are you're going to win one of those and then you'll be able to fade two more right so yeah yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thanks for sending that in. It's uh, it's always nice to have a situation. I don't have to get a cramp writing out the hand of the week and trying to understand what Scott's saying. Um, so, Scott, enjoy your turkey and your Star Wars, and I'll enjoy my turkey and my planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're going to love it. All right. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.